0: welcome back to another episode of the bonafide basketball podcast pleased to welcome today's guest head coach ben thompson from emory and henry college in virginia ben welcome to the pod man good to chat with you yeah man thanks for having me that's my pleasure my pleasure i'm excited to do this a lot of people probably wondering why we have a Division Three school in the Old Dominion Athletic Conference on, so I want to talk to you about that. But in the essence of full disclosure, we've known each other for a long time, recruited against one another in the southeast, and, and now you're um, a head coach at Emory & Henry, arguably in one of the most competitive conferences in Division III. and. Let's get an update on the Thompson family, man, because you guys had a little one in, over the summer, so I got to yeah. get an update, we got to give the listeners an update, you know, before we get to hoops on on the little man.
1: Yeah, he uh, he's not so little anymore. Um, <laughs> no, he's, uh, he's growing, and uh, I keep kidding around, he's like my little billy goat. I mean, he will literally eat anything, uh, but he's, if you put him in the walker, he can walk, but for the most part, he's scooting around, and... All smiles, and uh, except for like two or three a.m. in the morning. Other than that, uh, <laughs> he's in a pretty good mood most of the time.
0: That's awesome, man! Really happy for you and your wife, and a lot going on. You know, uh, for a new job last year, and into the summer with your baby. So really happy for you guys. And let's jump right in, Ben. Emory and Henry announced November 17th that you are planning to join the South Atlantic Conference uh, Division II provisional status in uh, 2021-2022 and then you will be full conference schedule competing in the South Atlantic Conference in uh, 2022-23 during that season so I know you're excited this is great news for the institution the move still has to be approved by NCAA Division II committees but let's assume that goes through you know this is a big announcement this is a big move what was your opinion when this all started happening how did it feel
1: when when this was like brought to your attention yeah i mean I, it was obviously exciting uh, especially considering my history in division two and especially uh, in the south atlantic conference in the, the southeast region but you know, I thought for Emory and Henry, it was uh, really a no-brainer. Uh, you know, we're in the ODAC, as you mentioned, and, you know, kind of the best way I can describe it, it's the ACC of Division Three, right? And then, you know, going into the SAC, you know, might as well be the ACC of Division II, uh, you know, so obviously it's, it's going to be a big jump. Uh, I think it's something that, that really fits our institution. We're going from a high academic conference into a high academic conference, and, you Uh, a high level of basketball and it's you know the the geographic region that we're in we really fit better with the sac than we do with the odac Um, and there's a lot more d2 schools in our region than there are d3 schools as well so i thought it was a no-brainer obviously something i'm excited about but i think it's something that's already created a lot of juice for our school and uh, the program and the department and i think uh, that will continue moving forward
0: yeah, that's awesome. It, it's such a such a great announcement, you know, for your institution uh, to join an elite conference athletically and then also improve your academics. Like the excitement for you had to be had to be really, really special because, like you said, your history with the southeast region, your history with the SAC, um, And then, like, you have to blink and kind of catch yourself <laughs> Like, what's it feel like to know you're going up against Queens, you know, just released number 20 in the country, Lincoln Memorial, number two in the country. I mean, you look up and down the sack, uh, the sack schedule. I mean, Wingate, you know, goes in and beats Queens on the road by nine last weekend. Like there, there are no easy nights in the ODAC. We know that. Right, but man, you're, you're you're talking. That's a big jump going yeah. to uh, the South Atlantic Conference. What when you real when you kind of like come to that realization?
1: What did that feel like? Uh, I mean, it's exciting. Uh, obviously, a little daunting at the same time. Uh, but the the cool thing for me is to kind of do it uh, here. Uh, you know, because yeah. this is this is the closest college to where I grew up, and my first ever basketball camp as a kid was at Emory and Henry, and so. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's something completely new, um, at least for Emory and Henry and, and for this region. Um, but that league, I mean, it's it's murderers row, uh, you know, and it doesn't get any easier. I mean, I know Anderson's been to an elite eight and the guy that led him there is now a head coach at Newberry. And, you know, Goody at Winget has been so good. And Perrin at Catawba has been so good. And, uh, you know, LR, you know, whatever it's done there, I mean. You know, there's, there's just not many easy nights, if any. Uh, and no. so, you know, especially bumping up, uh, it's going to be a challenge. And, you know, our, our staff, uh, we've got a really, really good staff. And uh, our guys, you know, I think to some degree, they, they think they know what's coming. Uh, <laughs> but in some ways, they have no idea. But that's okay. Uh, and so we're all really, really excited for it.
0: Yeah, it's... It's going to be eye-opening, I'm sure, for a lot of your guys. I mean, you think about how freshmen adapt to, you know, coming into a D2 program or even to a, a, a D3 program. Like that first, that first pickup game and that first workout, freshmen, you know, their eyes are, you know, bugging out of their head like they have no idea what they got themselves into, and they grow into it. So you hope your guys, you gotta hope your guys adjust pretty quickly. I'm sure they will. I mean, you have enough experience with that area and that league you you guys be fine so talk talk about coaching style playing style and recruiting how does this move impact those aspects of of your
1: job uh you know i don't think it'll affect uh, my coaching style or necessarily our playing style obviously you have way more access to your kids as a division two coach than you do at the division three level and so you know i think it'll allow us to be probably a little bit more complex uh you know not anything crazy because you got to keep it fairly simple but it'll allow us to to you know i think be more efficient <clears throat> as we get going because you can start earlier and you can put right. things in earlier uh as far as recruiting uh, as of about two weeks ago you know i, I became a lot more of a popular person uh, <laughs> you know it's amazing the amount of you know twitter and emails and texts and facebook and instagram you know in any way that, that people could get to me they they tried to get to me and and you know that's what you want yeah. um but i think it just raises the level um not only of the program but the visibility of the school uh and everything that we're doing here at emory and henry
0: yeah that's that's awesome. It's going to be an incredible ride, no question. And, and speaking of rides, like let's, let's transition into one of the best parts of it for you, personally, removing the coaching aspect. But in the ODAC, as I'm reading, as I'm doing my research, in the ODAC, your closest trip is an hour and 45 minutes away. Correct. Your, your longest trip is just about six hours. Yeah. When you when you join the South Atlantic Conference, you'll have to travel, you know, an hour to Virginia Wise. Poker in South Carolina is gonna be four and a half hours. That is a huge improvement. I say that. I say that because, you know, for a guy with a young family, young career, you know, that's gonna make a huge difference for you. And it'll make a huge difference for your family. Um, you know those trips. We, I've done those trips, man. You know those six-hour trips, those eight-hour trips. Like you're, you're not just recovering for, you know, coming home. You're recovering the next day as a coach too. It drains you. So um, you got to be excited about that. Yeah,
1: we are. And you know, I, I don't. You know, I think they they've obviously talked about maybe doing divisions and, and those types of things, but. Uh, You know, I'm sure that'll be uh, something that they'll deal with at a later date. But, you know, especially if we only have to go, you know, to some of those South Carolina schools every other year. Uh, You know, and kind of the cool thing about Coker that you mentioned, it's four and a half hours away. But my wife, Tiffany, her family's from Florence. And so that's 30 minutes away. We'll we'll have a pretty big cheering section even when we get down to to Coker. So, I mean, the travel obviously is a huge bonus. And (laughs) excuse me, that kind of goes back to the the regional stuff, um, you know, right now, you know, Roanoke is our closest school, which is an hour 45. Nobody else is even within two and a half hours. So, wow. you know, I think within two and a half hours, uh, you know, we, we would be the 14th SAC school within two and a half hours. I think eight of the schools in the SAC are within two and a half, um, you know, so it's, it's completely different when you're going from a league yeah. with three schools uh, that are within two and a half hours to eight schools.
0: Yeah. When I was at Davis and Elkins, our closest trips were an hour, you know, um, hour and 15 minutes. And then our far trips were far trips. I mean, right. there was no in between it was, right. we were, you know, six hours to Ohio, you know, eight hours down to Tennessee, nine hours down to Tennessee and Kentucky. Right. And then other times we we're hopping in the bus and driving over ourselves. So, right. You know, the travel, travel is one aspect that I think is overlooked when you talk about a profession and the sacrifice and what we're trying to do. I mean, luckily for me, I hop on a high school bus now and I'm an hour, you know, 15 minutes right. away. That's a blink of an eye. Right. So for a long trip. But, uh, but the listeners have a little understanding why you're here. I think that's an awesome, an awesome uh, opportunity for Emery and Henry and, and so let's backtrack to what got you to this point. You started at Virginia Tech, you worked for Seth Greenberg, moved on, uh, obviously worked for a long time at UNC Pembroke with Coach Miller, spent some time at Lincoln Memorial where we had the opportunity to work together, albeit very briefly, couple of short stints in between. But long story short, Ben, you've had an incredible journey to becoming, you know, a head coach first at uh, Division Three SUNY Canton and now at Emory & Henry. You've worked for some great basketball minds, been around some incredible basketball minds. What have you learned from your former bosses and, and carried over into your coaching style and to what you're
1: doing now? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you you kind of learn from everybody that you work for. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you did as well. and you know, I'm, I'm not going to be Seth Greenberg, you know, and I'm not going to be Josh shirts. <laughs> right. But I, I've got to be able to take some of the things that I've learned from those guys and others and kind of make it my own. Uh, and so, you know, when you become a, a head coach and, and you have this experience as well, you know, you have all these, these ideas of grandeur, right. And you have all these ideas yep. you're going to do this and you're going to do that and, and all those things. And, You know, sometimes you can get a little ahead of yourself, and a little gung ho and moving over those 18 inches to that next chair when you when you move from making suggestions to making decisions, um, you know, it's uh, it's a little different than what you what you necessarily think it's going to be. And, you know, kind of the analogy that I use is you can read as many head coach or not head coaching books, but you can read as many coaching books as you want. And you can read as many parenting books as you want but until you become a head coach and until you become a parent you don't necessarily know what it's like and so um you know i think for me it was just trying to learn from from everybody that i worked with and worked for and um you know kind of take bits of pieces bits and pieces of things that they did that i liked or things that that they did that i didn't like uh you know and just kind of make it your own and you know kids can tell if if you're being genuine uh or if you're trying to be something you're not and so you know what whatever it is that uh that people are listening that that you decide to to be as a head coach you know make it your own you're never going to be anybody else so you know glean from other people but at the end of the day you got to kind of make the program your own and kind of mold it into your own image
0: yeah i I 100% agree with that i think And I said this on a couple of podcasts already. I think, you know, when I took my first job as a head coach at 27, you know, going on 28, um, I was prepared, but I wasn't ready. Right. You know, and there's a big difference. You know, you can prepare for a long time. You can do your research, have everything, you know, typed up and, you know, your notes and what you've read and what you want to do. But are you ready to make those decisions like that? There's a big difference between being prepared and being ready, um, especially when you're in that kind of that kind of situation, making decisions. And, and so, I, I 100% agree. You got to be your own your own person, your own coach, and, and you want to learn. Like the great opportunity that we have is we can learn from from guys on TV later on tonight. Right? You, know, you can be learning. You can be learning at all times, which is how I've spent my quarantine and my uh, my winter off so far. But but talk to me and talk to our listeners, Ben. Your first time as a head coach, SUNY Canton, you're way, you're, I mean, listen, man, you're like, you're basically in Canada and I can say that because I've been to Canton before. Yeah. 20 Um, minutes from
1: Canada.
0: Yeah. 20 minutes from Canada. It's cold. You know, you have two seasons, right? You have winter and then you have like August. Right. And then, and that's it. So, um, what did you learn like at SUNY Canton? What were some of the things you learned as you went through that, the, those first couple of years?
1: Yeah, I mean, some of what I mentioned before, um, you know, not everything works that you think is going to work. One of the things that I learned at Canton is you got to be really, 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 really cerebral about your scheduling. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, my first year there, we uh, were fortunate enough to win 20 games and won the first NCAA conference championship in program history, um, you know, and we lost uh, a couple of really good players, but we had recruited really, really well, and it brought back some good guys. And you know, at the time, the league that we were, or, yeah, the league that we were in didn't have an automatic bid. Division three is a little different; not every conference has an automatic bid. And right. so, you know, I scheduled Murderer's Row, you know, thinking, you know, we, we got to get to the NCAA tournament, right? Like this—that's what we got to yeah. do. And so I build up, we built a top 25, 30 schedule in the country. Um, and then that second year I had to kick off four starters, you know? And, right. s- and so, you know, you go from, you know, thinking you're going to have a chance to an at-large bid to kicking off four starters. And now you got to go play eight nationally ranked teams in the country. And so, you know, I, I was just so gung ho about we're going to the NCAA tournament that you know i I bit off a little bit more than i could chew too quickly uh and so that's one thing to make sure that that you really understand the scheduling piece of it and at the time i didn't um and i I felt like i I did our uh our guys there really um a disservice that second year and obviously we, we rebuilt it and uh you know we were a lot better in that third year and then i left and came down here and Uh, you know I was really happy for those guys they actually won the conference championship and went to their first ever NCAA tournament this year and so I was really happy for those guys Um, but you know again I kind of just go back to you know sometimes you just get so excited that you're a head coach that uh, you can kind of get ahead of yourself a little bit and uh, I learned how to be a little bit more patient, um, and so those are probably the, the, the biggest things that I took away from my time at Canton.
0: Yeah, I would I would have to co-sign on, on all of those things. You have to temper your temper your expectations, you know. For, first and foremost, for yourself, right? You really gotta you gotta make sure that you can your your body and your mind can work kind of the grind that you have to go through. And then you got to temper your expectations for your team and what you can accomplish. But uh, but I, I totally agree. And, and so you have that challenge. You're in a new area. You're recruiting new kids, trying to settle in. When, when you got there and you get started, you see what's around you. What, what did you look around? And what did you say? You know, when, you, when you're at Canton, you realize what's going on. If we do this, if we do this really well. We're going to be fine, you know. Like, what what did you identify as the one thing, the one aspect of your job that you guys really had to be
1: great in? Yeah, I think uh, evaluating on a very, 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 very tight budget. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it's no Lincoln Memorial up there. I'm guessing. N- no, it's no, it's no <laughs> LMU. You know, we're not we're not flying on private jets over there with, uh, with <laughs> Pete Debusk and uh, Josh Shirts and those guys, but um. You know, I, I, one thing I found uh, there was kind of a niche up there that we had some success with um, are the international kids and kids that had engineering. Uh, and so, you know, we really tried to find those two types of kids uh, because, you know, at that school in particular, engineering had the most scholarship money. And so uh, international kids, uh, you know, For the first two years, uh, just based on how things are there, it was a little bit cheaper for them, Um, you know. So we just tried to find a niche that was different from everybody else. And that was one of the the ones that we found. And so in recruiting, that's those were two areas that we really looked at the international uh, and the engineering piece Um, and then. We just tried to to look around and find pockets in the state of New York. I mean, you're up there, you know, you know, there's like a hundred division three schools in the the state of New York. So how do you stick out, um, you know, if you're not a NESCAC school? Um, And so we just tried to to build personal relationships with kids and, you know, it helped us. But in the end, it made it really hard to leave. Um, Yeah. But in recruiting, those are the two pieces. And then just developing relationships with people. And I think that helped, uh, helped us get into some pockets in New York that, that they hadn't been able to get into uh, prior to. Yeah. Yeah, I think,
0: you know, the relationship as, and the evaluation part is so key. You know, a, a lot of people equate recruiting, with just going out and watching players. But the evaluation aspect is so integral to putting a team together fitting the pieces in the right spots right yeah you're not just you're not just throwing together talent right i mean really good coaches understand you're not just throwing you know I the am, best players you can out player there. and player development yeah absolutely player development and getting guys better as, as they go through their time with you so that's that's good stuff ben i mean you're you're right on you have a great experience at suny Canton in three years you're able to go coach the USA Division Three Men's Basketball National Team, you take them on a tour of Brazil. Yeah. And it's kind of a springboard for you from Canton. I think, you know, I'd I have to say it helped your coaching, I would imagine, helped your relationships with people. So talk about, you know, that experience, some of the players you coached, and, and what were the best parts of that trip?
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it was an experience that I'll never forget. Um, you know, when I got into coaching, You know, one of the things that I always wanted to do, never thought I'd be able to, is to represent the United States, you know, on an international platform. Um, And so, you know, I was able to do it. And uh, Ron Smith uh, reached out and and asked if I would. And, uh, you know, just, just the opportunity to go there and meet different people and be in a different culture and, you know, be in Sao Paulo, which is, you know, one of the top 10 largest cities in the world. I mean, we, um, we went to play kind of Brazil's version of the G League, um, and we, were, we weren't staying in Sao Paulo, but, um, you know, the drive took us about three and a half hours. Um, and for probably two and a half of those hours, we were driving through one city. Uh, and it's not like it was a traffic jam. It's just a massive city. Um, yeah. And so we went um, and played. It was kind of like their G League All-Star event, you know, and, and we're there with, yeah. with a bunch of college kids. And, you know, my dad uh, came on the trip with me. He's one of our assistants here at Emory & Henry. But he came on the trip with me as my assistant. And, you know, we are just kind of – it was it was a cool trip. But we were just kind of sizing up, you know, in warm-ups We're like – man, we got a bunch of college kids and these are grown men, right? Like yeah. mid twenties to upper thirties. And so, you know, the music's going on. They've had, they've got a dunk contest. They're doing all this stuff <laughs> and they, you know, like they're just having a grand old time. And here we are, you know, David versus Goliath, um, you know, and, and come out and we want to, want a big run. I think we we're up 20 points in the first five minutes of the game and the building cleared out. I mean, it was, was wow. one of the coolest things for us, you know, <laughs> that we bring a bunch of college kids over and, and, you know, not, not a credit to us, but a credit to those kids, you know, they were just waxing that G, the G League All-Star team over there from Brazil. And, um, you know, it was a credit to those guys, uh, for buying into what we were doing, but that was kind of a cool, uh, that was in the first couple of days. Um, that was a really cool deal. And, uh, you know, we got to go see the Christ statue and Sugarloaf Mountain and went to Rio and Copacabana beach and just had a really cool experience. Um, you know, some of the guys we had there were Adam Fravert and Ben Boots, um, uh, were on the Oshkosh team that won a national championship last year, uh, in 2019. I think both those guys were all Americans and Cam Fells and, uh, Jason Beckman. Uh, were All-Americans. Um, Eric uh, Grigo was from Benedictine, Isaac Brooks from Hamline, Jaron Sabas from Warburg. I mean, all these guys. Um, you know, we had Kenny Bogus from Benedictine too, but all these guys were either, yeah. you know, All-Americans or All-Region guys. And, you know, we just kind of came together on, on a trip and they bought in and, you know, we had a good time. And it was the first time that a team had gone 5-0. Um, on the D three National Team Tour, uh, that's awesome. So it was, it was a really cool spirit experience. But you know, we won the first game uh, there locally, uh, and then when we went to play the G League All Stars, I just I wasn't sure what to, to expect. To be honest with you, yeah, you know, how would these college kids go against you know the G League of Brazil? And not just that, but like the All Stars. Um, yeah. So it was really neat to watch those guys just kind of flourish in a true you know uh visiting um you know fans against your entire country against you uh yeah. it was just really neat and then after the game you know those guys were super nice and there was a lot of exchanging jerseys and shirts and you know they couldn't have been kinder um after the game um yeah <laughs> but uh you know, it was kind of intimidating going in, but I was super proud of those guys and, and not just how they competed and, and represented themselves in that particular game, but just the entire trip. I mean, it was it was something I'll never forget. That's so cool. That's so cool. I mean, following
0: the pictures you, you were posting and the experience you had had to be incredible. So what kudos to you for being able to represent the United States like that. And, and fast forward now, Ben, 2019, April, 2019, you become the head coach at Emory & Henry, Southwest Virginia. What was it like when that opportunity was presented to you to come home, take over a program you're so familiar
1: with? Surreal, uh, you know, yeah. people have asked me what my thoughts are on it and every time it's just surreal. And in this area, Emory and Henry just kind of has like an aura about it. It always has, uh, you know. And, and for years, you know, there's been a lot of people that have wanted to to go there or play there. Uh, it's just kind of the destination uh, for Southwest Virginia, and and for the long time, longest time, you know, we were the only really D three school in deep Southwest Virginia. You know, Wise was in AI, yeah. and now they're D two, and we're going D two, and in that same league, but. Um, you know there was just a, a special um, aura about Emory and Henry that everybody in this region kind of understands and uh, you know it was, it was it was nothing I ever thought I'd be able to do uh, you know especially growing up you, you just kind of look at something and you think man that's that's a really cool place that's a special place but you know yeah. I, I don't know that I'd ever get the opportunity there And you know it worked out um, you know and so the opportunity to come back home um, you know start our family and and, you know, kind of usher in this new era for Emory and Henry is, is uh, one that's just kind of surreal.
0: How much more prepared were you in April 2019 to become a head coach than you were when you were introduced at SUNY Canton?
1: Immensely. Um, yeah. You know, and i would kind of already <laughs> been through successes and failures at Canton, you know. Right. And so you learn from some of those things. And, and we had a really tough year in year one. Here, just a lot of adverse things that I've never seen happen, uh, in a season. But, you know, I I think the, the ability for, for our guys to kind of buoy that in the league that for division three is just as tough as the sack is for division two. Um, you know, I mean, like we, uh, the week before the conference tournament, we beat Virginia Wesleyan in double overtime. They're the, they're the yeah. second or the they're the thirteenth ranked team in the country, and this is how tough Division Three is. They don't even get an at-large bid. Uh, yeah, that's incredible. And, and they lose to the number one team in the country in the conference tournament championship, and still don't get a bid. So wow. you know, it's just it's such a difficult league. Um, You know, with so much tradition, so much history that I think that the time at SUNY Canton definitely helped prepare me for the ODAC, uh, you know, and and last year. And, you know, nobody was really ever prepared for COVID, but, um, you know, ODAC and this year again, and then as we kind of transition and move forward.
0: Yeah. So talking about year one, you already mentioned a little bit. We spoke on the phone about a month ago when we we talked about putting this podcast together. You guys fought a ton of adversity. Uh, I remember just talking on the phone and, and, you know, describing what you went through. But as we talked you felt really good about your team you felt really good about your kids you won three of your last five games including the overtime win against virginia and 13 in the country you guys beat roanoke um who were the top four in the league at the time so talk talk us through year one at emory and henry what happened how did you
1: respond how'd your kids respond and where you know what's the future looking like as of
0: right now yeah
1: so uh you know i got the job and in kind of the the transition and, you know, Emory and Henry, uh, we were losing a lot with the seniors that had graduated you know, that year that um, you know, last spring. Um, Right. You know, but we had some good players coming back and you know, we had recruited well and uh, brought a a transfer with us from SUNY Canton. Uh, But kind of in the transition, um, you know, two all-conference guys during the transition got recruited away uh, to other schools in our league which is you know it, that doesn't really happen at the Division 1 and 2 levels you know very right. often unless right. it's just a grad transfer you know so it's kind of a unique thing that doesn't happen often but happens obviously more in Division 3 And so you know you go into the year down to all conference guys and you thought you were going to have
0: um, <laughs> big cha- it's a yeah. big change uh,
1: you know we had a, a really good um, uh, kind of point forward uh, from Tampa, Florida, that I thought had a chance to, to maybe win freshman of the year, um, you know, and and he just had a lot of stuff going on and um, just decided uh, he didn't want to didn't want to play anymore and um, you know went through the first practice and didn't even really make it through the first practice and then our our sixth man uh, decided he didn't want to play after the first game and. Uh, you know, so you're already down four or five guys and, um, yeah. you know, Colin Molden, who was, uh, who's been a really good player at Emory and Henry, uh, actually graduated in the spring. Um, but he got hurt. Uh, it was his third, I think third knee injury. So he was out, oh, uh, our leading scorer and rebounder at the time that came with me from SUNY Canton. Um, he got injured, uh, and only played in like seven games. Um, you know, so we're down to like eight or nine guys and as you know, that makes practicing really difficult. We're playing with a bunch of freshmen and sophomores and um yep. you know, right as the time that we got Colin back, uh, we had a, a big flu epidemic. And so, you know, we only had for a couple weeks we only had six healthy bodies total. Uh and so wow. like when we beat Virginia Wesley and we only had six guys. Um but uh, you know, I, I could kind of see some of the late season success coming uh, because our guys just kept fighting and battling. And and what we what yep. we kept telling them is just get into the tournament, and then anything can happen. And so you know, most yep. people thought two three weeks left in the season we were dead in the water, um, but we went to Randolph Macon, who was the number one team in the country, uh, and they had blitzed us earlier in the season. Uh, you know, and we're at their place, uh, pretty hostile environment. Uh, you know, we lead almost the entire first half. And, uh, you know, it got away from us a little bit late, late in the second half. But, you know, when you're competing with the number one team in the country on the road with like seven dudes uh, and, you know, only one of them is a senior. Everybody else is freshmen and sophomores. You know, I, I just I, I thought that that game showed a lot of, of their character and how much they were willing yeah. to fight. So it was kind of like a flicker. And I, I'm sure you saw that yep. with some of the teams that you coached. Uh, and, and I knew that we had a chance when I saw that. Uh, and so we um, we kind of had to battle through that. And we're down 22 in the first half to Roanoke, came back and won, uh, You know, beat Virginia Wesleyan in double overtime, beat Shenandoah on senior night. So we go... For most people thinking that we're dead in the water uh till we get into the the ODAC tournament uh nobody thought that we would um and I just kept telling our guys hey listen nobody wants to play you right now and I did have some coaches in the league tell us that we were we're just playing really well and um you know we went and played Ferrum in the first round and this was a team that you know three weeks prior to that kind of when all that that turnaround kind of started happening Uh, we were down 42, I think at their place, uh, ended Uh, up getting beat by 25, but we're down 42. And then, you know, you fast forward to three weeks later, uh, you know, we're up, up two with a minute to go. And, uh, you know, unfortunately we didn't hang on, but, uh, you know, just the amount of adversity, excuse me, and everything that our guys went through, I was just super proud of, of just how they just refused to quit. Um, and it didn't matter if we were down 22. Um, if we were right in it, we were up. They completely balled in uh, and they did not quit on us. And, and when you're going through an adverse season, there's not much more that you can ask of your guys than that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think everyone would tell you, you can gauge, you know, we've talked about it. You can gauge what kind of team you have based on your practice habits. You know what the future looks like based on your practice habits and what the future looks like, you know, throughout the course of competition and and, you know, because I know I felt it this year with my high school team, you know, watching your guys, you may not see it right away, but you have that you have the, you know, the vision, you know, that, that the right things are in place. You know, you talk about character and, and what, you know, competitiveness, if those things are in place, you're going to have a chance all the time. Right. And that's just about getting guys to buy in and, and continue to improve. Right. So looking forward, you return six of your top seven, uh, including your le- leading rebounder, Robert Holliday Jr. How do you feel about the roster, you know, and uh, and the recruiting you've done, you know, going into this year, which is going to look different because the ODAK did, you know, just announce um, a return to play scenario beginning in in late January. So, talk about your team. What are you seeing? You know, what's your uh, what's your timetable look like for that January twenty third tip
1: date? Yeah, uh, I really like our team. Uh, I think we have a chance uh, to to be pretty good and and to, to maybe surprise some people, surprise some people in our league. Um, you know, like you like you mentioned, we returned. You know. Uh, a pretty big core group and, uh, you know, Robert will be back. And he got hurt um, halfway through the or early in the season, really. And I think when he went out, he was averaging 18 and 8. Uh, you know, so you lose a guy that's averaging almost a double-double. Uh, but he's back and, and feeling a, uh, a lot better and healthy and, uh, you know, everybody who's back, uh, you could tell that even with COVID that, that they were able to, to get better and work on their game. Um, conditioning we got to figure some stuff out <laughs> um, but uh, you know all those guys I think have worked and have really gotten better uh, in recruiting we um, bought in three junior college transfers one was a, a division three all juco uh, conference kid uh, from Alabama uh, a division one juco transfer which not many of those come at the Division three level, uh, especially ones that contribute, um, you know. Yeah. And then uh, we got another uh, D three JUCO transfer that's a six eight uh, kid from um, Upstate New York, and he averaged uh, almost a double double. So I think, you know, those three guys will really be able to help, um, you know. And, and then we we got a point guard from Charleston, South Carolina, that led the entire state of South Carolina in assists. Uh, we got a big 6'6'' six, six wing from a really successful program uh, down here in South, southwest Virginia and then another 6'7'' kid from another really successful program down here in southwest Virginia and both of those guys were part of uh, one was the most successful season in high school history and the other one was the second most successful so uh you know we we've brought in a lot of guys that have been around success and i think adding those guys uh to who we're bringing back gives us gives us a chance um you know we'll bring all those guys back january 2nd and um you know just with covid and everything going on you know in in normal years you start october 15th and you have three weeks to get ready and so i thought that it it made a lot of sense to bring them back january 2nd we'll have three weeks to get ready and uh you know kind of keep it on a, on a similar timeline so uh we we tip off first game on january 23rd so we're we're excited and uh you know i, I definitely believe uh, that we have a chance to do something special were your guys
0: now ben were your guys on campus when they made the announcement or they had they gone home for thanksgiving
1: break and when they had break? already gone home but they kind of knew knew the deal okay. um
0: you know okay. the ODAK
1: announced it, um, but they had kind of kept us in the loop on, on the direction everything was going in, so uh, so our guys kind of already knew and uh, they went home uh, for Thanksgiving. The semester ended early for us, um, uh, as I think it, it has for a lot of schools, um, and so they went home and you know, I, I told them, You better enjoy it because this is the longest Christmas and Thanksgiving break you're ever gonna get, <laughs> um,
0: yeah. yeah, especially making the yeah, move next exactly. year, uh,
1: so. You know, we uh, we do uh, zooms every week and uh, stay in touch with those guys and they're on a um, a lifting plan, whether it's a body weight, depending on where they're at, uh, you know, as far as COVID and stuff, if you know, if they're in a hot spot or they can't get out or don't have access, we have some body weight stuff for them to do. And then for the guys that can uh, get into a gym safely. Uh, we have stuff for, the, for those guys to do as well. So, uh, you know, I, I think our guys are working and, and we're doing Zooms each week to, to talk about different stuff with philosophy and how we're carrying ourselves. And uh, so, um, yeah, I, th- I think we're on track to, to hopefully do something special. Awesome. Awesome.
0: And when I, so when I first started the podcast, Ben, I was interviewing coaches whose 1920 uh, seasons had been cut short, right? Talking to the top 10 coaches right. in the country uh, based on their ranking at the end of the year. And, and one question I would always ask them was, you know, what were the conversations like when you found out your season w- was ending? Because a lot of them were either on a bus going to their first round site for the NCAA tournament or practicing. And I want to flip that now. When you finally got word from the ODAK, you were going to play, and you were able to talk about that to your players uh, with, with certainty and with a hundred percent confidence that you're having a season. Obviously, anything can happen, but at that moment, you're a hundred percent confident you're having a season. What was their emotion like? How I mean, they had to be somewhat
1: emotional, even as, as college kids. <laughs> yeah, they're <were>, like giddy. <laughs> they're just yeah. excited. You know, they yeah. haven't they hadn't played since March um, you yeah. know, and so uh, they were giddy. They were obviously, um, they were excited. Uh, but I, I think it kind of brought them, um, with everything that's going on right now, you know, whether it be COVID or, uh, you know, the, uh, social injustices or all the, the political, um, you know, election, everything, all the stuff that's going on right now for them, I think it was finally a a glimmer uh, of normalcy, Uh, and so even though it's not going to be normal, uh, you know, I I think some semblance of normalcy uh, was something that that really helped them, you know, and they're seeing all these teams play on television, you know, and and it's like, well, why can't we play? Right? And so, um, you know, I I think that, that they've had a little, just like probably everybody else, they've had a little COVID fatigue. Uh, you know, they're, you know, in some ways they're probably zoomed out. Um, but you know, I think it kind of gave a a sense of calm and comfort and, you know, kind of a little glimmer of of normalcy for them that, you know what, it's, uh, it's going to be okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty fortunate to do what we do in, in that we coach and or play college basketball uh and so i think that they were just appreciative uh but they they were certainly giddy yeah i i know
0: i mean speaking for myself and i'm sure you would you would concur you know coaches like i miss being in the gym and and i you know i miss being in the gym i miss being with 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 the guys i miss uh you know just the relationships you know everyone thinks the coaches want to coach just to be in the game like the games really aren't that great it's it's the practices it's the the team dinners it's the things you do outside of those 20 okay. nights where the competitive juices flow that really you know fuel your passion so I mean hearing here having the conversations I had with coaches when their season ended I can only imagine how excited you know your kids are that you are like you got to right. be excited
1: yeah I mean it's I just mean, um, <laughs> you know, and, and it, it, they're, you know, I think sometimes we forget because of some of the the massive bodies that these guys have, and how high they can jump and how fast they can run. Sometimes we forget that they're kids, you know, and and yeah. so just the giddiness and you know the gazillion questions started, um, you know, and so we just tried to be really transparent you know and I, I feel deeply uh for the the teams and schools that have already canceled and you know for the schools that yeah you know didn't get to finish you know I, I think it coach shirts a lot uh you know I, I can't imagine how difficult that was for those guys you know I think they had won like 32 straight and uh you know we're tracking yeah. to go back to you know another probably uh another elite eight and um yeah, I feel feel bad for guys like him and you know Josh Merkel, who's in our league at Randolph-Macon. You know, he's the number one team in the country in the Sweet Sixteen, and you know, it's just poof, it's just done. Um, you yeah. know, there's there's no closure, um,
0: and so right. I can't
1: I can't really um, imagine or fathom, uh, but my heart just goes out to those guys from last year and then the, the kids that um, you know did get to finish. Their seasons last year, but don't get to start their seasons this year. Um, you yeah, know, yeah. some of heart goes out to them, um, but I, I'm thankful that that uh, you know, as of now, uh, we're still trucking forward, and <laughs> and our guys are, are really excited. Yeah, well.
0: Well, Ben, we're we're at like our forty-five minute window, man. I'm so happy for you, number one, for you and your family, and and, and your wife, and your little guy, and, and what you're doing at Emory and Henry, uh, to get you know to get a season in this year is is incredible. It's been, you know, it's been a really uh, challenging year in a lot of ways, but there are and there have been bright spots. So, you know, congrats to you and all that's happened for your family at Emory and Henry and, and with your announcement to move into the South Atlantic conference. I mean, I want to acknowledge you Ben for the work you've done in college basketball, because you know, I can think back recruiting against one another. You know, I was at Lincoln when we're going back seven, eight years now I was at Lincoln and, and you were at uh, Pembroke and, you know, you see each other, you, you, you know, through, through competition, you develop really good relationships. It's funny how that works. And, uh, and you know, I know, I know if I called you, you'd pick up, and vice versa. And uh, and this was really fun, man. So I want to acknowledge like all the positive impact you've had on your players, on other coaches, and and people, especially in the southwestern Virginia area. I know you've done a lot down there, and uh, and just want to acknowledge you, man, for being a lifer. That's you've you've had such a positive impact on so many people.
1: I look forward to following you. Going yeah, man, forward. I appreciate it, and uh, the feeling for sure is mutual. Uh I'm I'm glad you're doing this. Uh you know, I think uh sometimes, you know, D one obviously gets spotlighted all the time. Uh Division Three obviously has a pretty big spotlight as well, but I always felt that there was a gap uh in, in Division Two and I appreciate you filling the gap uh because coaches and players and programs um you know need it, have earned it, you know, and as we're seeing this year. Uh, there's a lot of really good Division II basketball teams out there. Uh, you know, I mean, there's been so yeah. many upsets, well, uh, quote-unquote upsets. Uh, but I, I think it just goes to show you that Division Two is a super high level of basketball. Uh, and I, I really appreciate you kind of shining a spotlight on it.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonafide Basketball Podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and download this episode and future episodes of the Bonafide Basketball Pod. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. The Bonafide Basketball Podcast is the basketball content you are not getting on ESPN.